Tim Blanchip, Divorce 661, Day in the Life of an LDA, which is a paralegal, by the way. Divorce 661, Daily Perspective, Episode 43. I have a big show for you today. Uh, what I'm going to start doing is going over cases that we finalize and go over uh, kind of the scenario that the clients were going through and some of the decisions that they made uh, and terms they had put into their settlement agreement and then just have some discussion points on that. I think you guys will uh, learn a lot about the divorce process by doing this. As always, first, let me go over what we uh, did today. Um, seven consultations, uh, three new divorce cases filed. Um, we had five approved divorce cases uh, from Ventura and LA County. So two in Ventura. Uh, previously, the court reported Ventura did that they were running about six months for approval. That was back around September of last year. We just got two approved uh, this week that were approved in three months. So I'm glad to say they are getting faster and, and really back to normal. The three LA County judgments uh, that were approved, everything we do with LA County is we do, is done electronically, including e-signatures, e-notary, and e-file, which makes for a very clean process, a very fast process. Um, and of these three cases in LA County, one was downtown, one was Pomona, one was Pasadena. And one was the same day approval. One was approved in six hours. We submitted it at eight o'clock this morning and it was approved by I think 2.30. Um, and then one was approved in about three and a half hours. This was the Pasadena uh, court. Um, simple divorce, not that that makes a difference, but um, three and a half hours from submission, e-file to e-approval on their divorce case. And one thing to note on this, a lot of these cases are older cases that did not file for divorce with us. They tried to do their own divorce. And so we're talking about 2020, 2021, 22 divorce cases where they've been um, sitting on them, trying to get them through the court, um, getting frustrated in the process, getting multiple rejections. And many of these um, are, are once they've hired us, we have them finalized, especially if they were served in the six months have passed. When, by the time we submit them, two, three days, and we have all their paperwork done, e-filed and approved with the court. So um, these older cases that they've been hanging on and lingering in these in these clients' lives, by the time they decide, hey, I've had enough of the, of the rejections with the court, I'm going to hire someone, we get them knocked out very, uh, very quickly. We Over the weekend, <clears throat> I had a um, draft, because <clears throat> I just got back from vacation <clears throat> and being sick, I had to draft uh, several judgments. A lot of our clients got in their settlement agreement terms to us, and so I'm going to go over those cases um, with you. And again, you'll talk, so you guys can see the different arrangements people are doing to pretty much let you know that whatever you and your spouse agree to is going to be fine with the court, so long as you have someone like me who knows how to put it all together to make sure it's it's something that can be approved by the court. There's certain ways, certain things have to be done if you're trying to go against the grain. And I'm going to talk about some of those things. So without further ado, number one was an LA County case. It was an eight-year marriage, no minor children, no spousal support, each keep their own assets and debts, each keeping their own pensions, even though they are not the same value. And I want to comment that this is very common for people who do this, whether it's a short-term marriage or a long-term marriage. Um, even though it is technically considered community property and subject to being divided by agreement, you guys can decide what that actually looks like. And many of our clients, for whatever reason, decide to each keep their own assets or debts, even though it's not equal division, meaning one spouse could potentially get more than the other and uh, or not more than the other, but get 50 percent of the, the accruals in their accounts and pensions and so forth. 
Um, and, but they're walking and knowingly walking away from that. Some people tell me, you know, Tim, I, you know, he or she earned it. So I don't feel like I should take it, even though I know I'm entitled to it. Um, sometimes if they want us to run the spouse support numbers, uh, there would technically be spouse support, but they don't want to claim the spouse support either. You guys get to call the shots and make the decisions um, on all of this. Number two, LA County case, 21 year marriage. One minor child. They did not want any child support or spouse support. Uh, they want just joint legal and physical custody with a non-specified parenting plan. Um, so what I want to talk about is even though child support is technically mandatory, and I get a lot of heat for this, we have many clients say, Tim, we don't want an official court order for child support. Can we do that? And the answer is yes. Um, before we had to do what's called a non-guideline order. Um, but now we are the courts allow us to just indicate that it's reserved jurisdiction, which means kind of like the spell support, none now, but the court still has the jurisdiction. If one of you want to go back to court to ask for child support, the court still has the ability to do that. So we're not saying zero, although it is zero child support. You can't put zero on the child support order, but you can write in reserved, and that's totally acceptable by the court. The, the reason I wanted to bring up the no spouse support, which that is not an issue. Uh, if you guys agree to no spouse support, not a problem. But if you've been married longer than 10 years, like these folks were married for 21 years, the general rule is that the courts will maintain jurisdiction over the issue of spouse support indefinitely. The issue this can cause is if you are going through a divorce where you and your spouse are not in agreement or it's going to be a default without an agreement type case, then you will not be allowed to terminate the court's jurisdiction or spouse support because the rule is the court's going to maintain jurisdiction unless by agreement and, and by assigning a waiver of spouse support that basically says, I know the court would generally maintain jurisdiction, but we are agreeing that we want the court to terminate jurisdiction so they can't award spouse support to either one of us in the future. Only by agreement can you do that. I had a, a, one of the cases, and I, I probably should just not, I should probably just keep going down the list, but I think I'm going to talk about that as well, where I was going to do it as a default without an agreement and not involve the spouse. But because they marked terminate spouse support and it was a marriage of longer than 10 years, we couldn't we wouldn't be able to get that approved by the court, even though they asked for it in the petition. So we included the spouse, put in the waiver language so they could sign off on that. And we already got that. That's one of the cases we already got approved today. Number three, L.A. County case, 32 year marriage. Wife was going into church service. And essentially all community property was going to the husband and they were concerned that the court would not approve that. Again, the court does not care what you guys agree to. Generally speaking, the court, like in this case, all of the assets, the majority of assets, bulk of the assets, pensions, house, the whole thing was going to the husband because the wife was going to join a church and uh, felt that they didn't need any assets, I suppose. Again, I don't get involved in your decision making. Um, they made this on their own accord and notarized it, and the court is aware of that. And they're not going to look down the list and say, wow, husband's getting all these assets and um, and the wife is getting nothing. We better call them in. This seems unfair. They do not do that. Um, this is probably one an extreme case. Um, generally, most of our, I say generally, our uh, settlement agreements are not 50-50. This is, was obviously very lopsided, but um, the court's aren't even able to interpret the settlement agreement to see if it is fair or not, because we do not include values on the assets when we're listing your pensions and 401ks and homes. We're not listing values unless we have to, because one of you are getting a certain amount from it. 
Otherwise, we're just saying you're keeping 100% of it, and the courts don't know if there's a dollar or a million dollars in that account. They don't know if the home is worth a million dollars or is over leveraged with a million dollars in mortgages because we're not giving the value. So uh, short story to that is you don't have to worry about the court interfering in your decision-making um, when it comes to dividing your assets and debts or anything for that matter, so long as you guys agree to everything. Number four was an LA County case. Now I do handle all, all courts in California. The bulk of what I do, probably 70% of it is in LA County because that's where our office is. But the other 30% is all over uh, California. It's just the bulk is in LA County. So you'll notice that most of our cases are in LA County. Um, LA County case, 33 year marriage, no minor kids, both made the same amount of money. So no spouse support. They each kept their own finances separate, which a lot of people seem to do these days. Um, so they were just going to each keep their own for their pensions and debts and everything else. Um, the only issue they needed to address was the house and she wanted to buy them out, but needed to see if that was possible. So I want to talk about two things with this particular case. Um, number one is uh, it's very common that people don't keep the traditional, if that's even a thing, finances where they combine all their assets and debts when they get married, you know, combine their debts, you know, have a joint bank account where maybe both their salaries or incomes are deposited into where they work collectively. I think I would call that more of the, your traditional way. But so many of our cases, the clients keep totally separate accounts from day one. They run different. They have different credit cards. They never combine anything, different bank accounts. Uh, they their money goes into their own separate bank account. The, you know they're accruing their own pensions. There's no communication, I imagine, on the growth of the family income and so forth. I think that makes it possibly difficult to you know grow and invest and plan for the future. It's not the way we do it with my household. We you know, everything's combined and we pay the bills together, so we know collectively what we make and so forth. But it is very common that people are uh, completely separate assets. And here was a 33 year marriage where. They had children, but the kids had grown. That's why I said no minor kids. Um, but they kept everything separate, and they are, after 33 years, calling it quits, and they're just going to keep their own stuff. And that's totally fine. And it may be completely un unequal. It could be that one of the spouses uh, put a ton more into retirement, or maybe one had a retirement and the other didn't. Uh, I don't specifically recall in this case, but regardless, they're saying, hey, yeah, we were married, but we're not going to follow the traditional rules of dividing everything 50-50. We're going to keep our own things. The other thing they're doing is uh, going to buy out the house. I talk about this quite a bit. And the first thing that you need to do if you're considering keeping the home, <clears throat> excuse me, is number one, see if you guys can agree on a value of the home. You don't have to get an appraisal, although you can, but if you don't want to spend the five or $600 on an appraisal, maybe you guys just look at the last couple sales in your neighborhood and say, you know what, based on these, I think we could get X for our home and let's use that value for determining um, what the value we're going to use for determining the buyout. So let's say there's $300,000 in equity. And so the buyout is going to be $150,000. Step two is you're going to want to start talking with uh, lenders and see if that is something you can pull off. Can you pull out $150,000, number one? And then number two, part B of that, I guess, would be now that you see what that payment is, along with the first mortgage, assuming you're getting a second mortgage, which would make more sense because you don't, I think your interest rate on your first, you're, you're going to want to leave that alone and have the smaller amount with the higher interest. That's what most of our clients are doing anyways. But then you're going to have to see, okay, now based on that, can you pull that off? Can you make the first and second mortgage payment um, 
combined and is and then after knowing that is it really worth it to keep the house at that point so those two things would need to be figured out um, the how much the house is worth and you guys agree upon the value and then the buyout amount and will you qualify to do that or if not will you then need to sell and split the proceeds evenly that way or will your spouse will give you a little bit more time to maybe make up the difference for instance let's say the buyout is one hundred fifty thousand dollars you can only pull out one hundred twenty five thousand for whatever reason um, and uh, there's a $25,000 uh, hole left that you owe. Maybe you can pull that from your 401k and give them 25,000 from there. Maybe you can come up with some type of payment arrangement where you pay maybe 500 or $1,000 a month until that $25,000 is paid off. Again, you guys would have to agree to those different variables, but there are ways and our clients have come up with some very creative ways of making that work um, as far uh, as far as going as far as keeping the house for five years before they even have to refinance to do the buyout because they're they're hoping that the interest rates will come down and be more favorable uh, for that point. So lots of options when it comes to that. Number five, uh, this was a case that we took over. So there's a 2021 uh, Alameda County divorce case. Um, they were married for eight years. Uh, neither wanted spouse support. They too were each going to keep their own assets and debts like in the last uh, case. And the concern was privacy and not wanting to list their assets and debts. Um, so I want to talk about, and I talk about this quite a bit, that this is why we only reference the asset um, or debt by name and no values. We only put the last four digits of the account number. Um, and that's for your privacy. It's why we talk about not filing the FL-160 property declarations with your petition because you put way too much information, values, full account numbers and all that. Um, that can run you into problems as far as that being public record. But these clients wanted to list as little as possible, which we always do in all cases for your privacy. And that is the name of the asset, you know, Fidelity, 401k, account number, 1234, just the last four digits, no values, that's it. Someone gets a hold of that paperwork. There's no way they're going to know where your accounts are held, how to access it, what your net worth is. None of it because none of that's on the paperwork. What else did we have here? Um, so in this in this case, they had also been separated since 2014 and never filed for divorce. Um, for Alameda County, I use a settlement agreement format versus the forms as Alameda does not accept the forms for some reason. So there's two ways you can draft your settlement agreement. And, I, and they're both considered the settlement agreement. One is more of a narrative, um, traditional settlement agreement. And the other one is using the actual court forms like the 180, 343, spousal order, 345, property order, et cetera. Um, I like to use the forms because I think it's easier for my clients to read through it and understand it. There's not a lot of legal mumbo jumbo in there like there is with the settlement agreement narrative type case uh, settlement agreements. Um, but some counties, they don't look at it that way where the com combination of the forms make up the settlement agreement. They'll reject it. And so I haven't for certain counties, I don't use the forms at all. I use a straight up marital settlement agreement narrative and Alameda, Alameda County is one of those counties that wants it in that format. So one of the benefits of us handling so many cases throughout California for the last 12 years is that we know what the individual courts want and even individual clerks within the court um, have little specific uh, criteria as well. Number six, 2022 uh, Torrance divorce case, married 11 years, no minor children, just some property divide and no spouse support. So pretty straightforward cases. 
Um, just because you have a lot of assets and debts doesn't make your divorce case um, difficult. Uh, the only thing that can be difficult in the divorce is the parties involved and their inability to come to an agreement. Um, again, these older cases that I take on, these folks have filed their own divorce, had issues with getting their judgments approved, got frustrated, didn't do anything for a while. So they weren't going, dealing with this for years, but they would take these long breaks. They would turn in their paperwork, get rejected, they get frustrated, put it in the corner. Six months later, they try and tackle it again, get another rejection. Again, when they hire us, I have them upload filed copies if they have them. If not, I order them from the court and then I review them, make sure those are good to go. If I have to amend something, I will. Otherwise, we go straight into the settlement agreement. And I think we had like six cases approved in the last couple of days. And uh, these are people that hired me last week and they're already done. And these were these 2021, 2022 divorce cases. And then they're just, you know, call me up. They retain me. We get it knocked out. They, they sign a notarized we e-file and they're done. Unfortunately, with the other courts, like with other than LA County that doesn't allow us to e-file, while I still get the paperwork done quickly, we still then have to have you mail it in with your original signatures and I have to prep it and mail it to the court and most courts are three to four months for approval. It's only with LA County can, I, can you hire me and like three days later I have your divorce approved, especially if you've already filed years ago. Number seven, I want to talk about some spousal support termination issues. Um, I think I was talking about that in the other case that I could have done that default without an agreement, but they were married longer than 10 years. So we could not have terminated spouse support jurisdiction. In fact, the issue that happens with that is, you know, you'll, what's happened in the past is people will turn in their judgment with terminating on a default without an agreement, without the spouse's signature and the court will reject it saying, no, you cannot turn in, you cannot approve uh, termination of support without an agreement of the parties to, to terminate the court's jurisdiction. So what they'll do is say, well, I'm just going to turn it in with reserved jurisdiction, which is the which is the rule. And then the court will reject the judgment again because you didn't mark reserved on the petition. You marked terminate. So what has to happen is you have to amend your petition, refile, reserve, wait another 30 days, refile the default, then turn in your default judgment. So it's always best in these cases is to have your spouse then participate if the, initially you were not trying to bother them. You're always going to want to have your spouse involved in the process, even if you have a, you think you have a simple divorce, because all these rules will come into play if you do not have a settlement agreement signed by the parties. Number eight, uh, a new case, L.A. County, uh, married 12 years, one minor child. They want to do joint legal and physical nonspecific parenting plan. Keep in mind, you do not need to have a detailed parenting plan in your settlement agreement. All we have to say is joint legal, joint physical, and reasonable right of visitation. That's it. Three boxes on the four-page custody order is all that's required. Now, it's not wrong. I just had this conversation on a consultation today. It's not wrong to detail it, but then you really don't have the flexibility to modify it unless you go back to court and amend your judgment, which isn't a big deal. But if you if you and your spouse are amicable or cooperative enough to be able to co-parent without you having a agreement that specifies when you have the kids, then I think that having that open parenting plan is a better way to go. The downside would be that it is such an open parenting plan that if in the future, if there's a um, misunderstanding on what you guys thought the agreement was, and maybe dad thought he had Christmas this year, and, 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 and mom also thought she had Christmas this year, and now there's a disagreement, you can't go to court and complain, and, or you can't even call law enforcement and say, hey, this is my day, because there's nothing documented on that. So while you're amicable, it can be problematic. We don't. We haven't had problems with that because the clients are amicable and continue to remain amicable and in communication 
on the co-parenting of their kids. They don't need it written, documented, day-to-day, hour-to-hour um, custody order that explains it. It's not wrong to do it, but it does lock you down to that order. And it does give you the ability to have that enforced should there be a disagreement. So if you guys aren't like 100% you know, amicable with amicable with each other. You, you can build in some guardrails. You can have some, you know, maybe the, um, this, I just drafted a settlement agreement that they had. Um, they, they didn't want it to be a very specific parenting plan, but um, because mom had 90% timeshare of their kids, the father did just want it to say alternating weekends from Friday to Sunday that he would have custody. He wanted something in there to say he could have the kids sometimes. So we did that. All right. Uh, what else do we have for this particular case? <clears throat> um, this 12 year, oh, this, this case, which I was talking about, this LA County case, married 12 years. The other issue was they didn't want spouse support. So we already talked about having to do the waiver language for the spouse support and they each were keeping their own pensions. Um, and so this would seem, so I made a comment, this would seem like an easy case for someone to do on their own, but in actuality, you'd never get this through the court because you wouldn't know how to get the court to approve the zero child support, the zero spouse support on the long-term marriage. And you may even have issues with the property division because you might leave them out. So a lot of mistakes that will happen here is people will tell me, Tim, we have an easy divorce. We want no spouse support, no child support, each keep our own assets and debts. And it sounds like that would be amicable or easy. And it is easy. It is easy for me to do those cases because I've been doing them over and over and over again for the last 12 years. But if you tried to do that on your own and you said no child support and you filled out the petition wrong, your judgment's never going to get approved. You're never going to know the language to put in there for the reserved jurisdiction on child support. You're never going to have the language, um, know the language for the long-term spouse support waiver. So while it sounds easy, it's highly technical still to get those approved by the court. And what the other mistake people would make will make on their pensions or 401ks is they will say, well, we're each keeping our own. So we're not going to list them on the agreement because we're keeping our own. And then they'll go to retire and they'll say, okay, show us your divorce decree. They'll see that it wasn't addressed in the, in the um, settlement agreement or the judgment. And they'll assume community property uh, laws apply and they'll freeze your account assuming your spouse is getting 50% because that's the rule. So there, if you're keeping 100% of your own pension 401k, make sure you include that in the settlement agreement. Number nine, a 2021 Whittier case. Again, this will be a judgment case that we took over because they couldn't get it through the court. Four kids. Husband wasn't working, but they still wanted to have a child support order, which we were able to do even though the child support calculation would not reflect any child support due. The court. So that was number one. So the, court, the husband was working previously, but just happened to not be working currently and was expected to be working again in the future. So they based the child support off of what he was able to earn when he was working, knowing he's going back to court because they didn't want to submit a settlement agreement that had no child support on it. They def definitely wanted there to be child support. So we had to run a calculation based on the numbers that um, husband was previously earning and expected to re-earn when he got re-employed. So the child support order would be in place already. Um, so when he did go back to work, he would just start paying the child support at that time, as opposed to doing a reserved child support order now because there was no income and then updating the settlement agreement later. They just wanted to get that built in. So we took care of it in that fashion. Other issue this, with this Whittier case, and this is why I like filing all of my cases downtown LA because they, they have a standard process across the board. Um, with this Whittier case, and the only reason I, f I have these Whittier cases and Pasadena cases and other branch courts other than non-downtown central Stanley Mosque is because 
they started on their own. And so I'll take all comers, all counties, uh, all branch courts in, in LA County, uh, especially, and we'll have to finalize them on, on that case. So that's why I have some of these cases, even though if you start with me from scratch, I am going to file your case downtown LA for this. One of This is one of those issues. So the because this was an older case, um, the respondent no longer lived at the address used when the case was filed. So I did a change of address for them. And because we filed that change of address, the court was trying to consider that as an appearance by the respondent and saying, by filing this form, you need to pay the $435 court fee, dollar court fee because the respondent had not paid their fee. The response is not required on a default with written agreement. The default means no response was filed. We do that to save our clients money. So I said, that's fine. We're just going to use this the old address for the respondent. I removed the uh, change of address form uh, from being filed so it wouldn't trigger that. And by the way, uh, Whittier, that shouldn't trigger a court fee. This is a change of address form. It's not an appearance form. It's not a stipulation. It's not a first appearance to change your address. I've never had a court ask for the court fee on that. But we'll play your silly game, and we'll just put the old address. It doesn't matter in the end because everything's e-filed with Whittier and all the L.A. County courts, so nothing's going to that address anyways. So I just told the client, hey, we're just going to remove the change of address. I'm going to put all your old address information um, used on the initial filing in 2021. And guess what? It was approved because they didn't, didn't want the fee. So had <clears throat> this person done this on their own, they probably would have said, shoot, now I got to pay the $435 fee. So it's good. You know, I worked for the courts in the past. I worked for attorneys well, way back when, before I started doing this 12 years ago. I know how to work, get the work around, how to save you guys money. So there's definitely some benef benefits in hiring me. Number 10, 2023 divorce case. So last year, two kids, assets and debts with a home buyout. Um, most people are either staying on the mortgage for a time until the interest rates come down or getting a second mortgage for the buyout amount. Um, and we talked about the other option is to use a 401k or other asset for the buyout. So lots of options on the home. You know, it gets a little tricky if, you know, if you're going to hang on to the first mortgage that has both you and your spouse on it. If you're not going to refinance that for a period of time or maybe ever, um, just know your spouse is going to have to agree to be on that mortgage for three, four, five years until you do the refinance. Maybe you need to make more income to qualify. Maybe you're waiting for the interest rates to come down, which is what's happening a lot. Just it's going to impact you. Um, on that. And if you were trying to buy a home of your own, you're going to have that on your credit. Um, people are still doing it. They're trying to keep their kids uh, in the house with mom or dad or whatever the case might be. Consultation I had today, they're they're having a workaround where um, moms, moms can keep the house even though the adult, the children are adults because by selling the house, we'll uproot mom and three of their kids. And so they said, instead of us selling the home, well, wasn't mom keep it and the equity. No worry about a buyout, but we'll also take on some additional debt to offset the equity. And that's how they figured that part out to keep everyone happy. <clears throat> Number 11, uh, I want to talk about a divorce case I finished in 24 hours from, from initial petition to judgment. I want to let you know how that went down. So they hired me yesterday, LA County case. I e-filed and received the filed case back in 20 minutes. And that's pretty standard with downtown LA. We'll get them back really fast. Um, I then uh, they had already between the time that I filed that they had already filled out the internal document. I have a little settlement agreement template worksheet to provide me with all the terms. So then I completed all of the remaining documents, um, settlement agreement, procedural forms, the judgment package, et cetera. And they e-signed 
their judgment forms, and then they notarized, they electronically notarized um, their agreement, and they're totally done. 24 hours totally done. Now, I have to wait 30 days or 31 days from the date of after we filed to turn in the settlement agreement. So they literally, they hired me in 24 hours. All their paperwork was done. I told them, hey, now I can, I have to wait 31 days and then I can turn it in and it'll be approved about the five week mark. So I can file it on February 20th and their final divorce date will be July 20th, 2024. Because even though we can get it approved by the court on week five, 31 days, I just call it week five, but it's 31 days after we start the process. Um, the six-month cooling off period still applies. So the court will sign it. The judge will sign it. They'll get their approval. They'll have their final documents. But the final divorce date for this case will be uh, pushed out to July 20th. Now, nothing else will come after July 20th. Just after that day passes, they are magically no longer married. Number 12, long-term marriage and terminated spouse support finalized a 2022 divorce case out of Torrance. Um, they filed property declarations, those FL-160s, with missing information. So you know I talk about how much I hate the property declarations being filed with a petition because you guys are, first of all, filling them out wrong. You're filling out the separate and community property declarations incorrect. You're not putting the proper information on there that they're needed. You're forgetting information or listing wrong information. Or by the time you know these 2021 divorce cases or older cases come to me, these assets no longer exist. You sold the car, closed the bank account, sold the home, you know, pension no longer exists, or you're with a different company. So I know that when you do that guide and file, that it forces you to file those 160s. That's why I don't like the guide and file, because um, it puts all that as part of public record. Um, but it's not a huge problem. We just have to address those assets and debts, even if they no longer exist. So if you had a car listed on there when you filed it and you don't have it, you still have to list it on your settlement agreement because they're going to match up those property declarations with the settlement agreement. Even on a default with agreement case where a settlement agreement is signed, they're still going to match up and make sure all the assets listed on the property declaration and hence the petition have been addressed. So even if they no longer exist, you still need to list them on there and just say what happened, you know, sold or, you know, no longer exists or whatever the case might be. Um, so yeah, in this case, they had the property declarations. They didn't include account numbers. They didn't have the license plates of, plates of vehicles and things that are required on that form and in the settlement agreement. It won't require, it won't have the judgment or won't have the property declaration reject as a court will file, whatever you give them wrong information included, but the settlement agreement needs to include that. So I have to get that from uh, my clients to address that. They are terminating uh, spouse support on long-term marriage, and you can only do that by agreement, as we talked about. So as you can see, a lot of our cases, um, there's no spouse support being involved, even with marriage of longer than 10 years, which is what a long-term marriage is. A lot of our clients are both self-supporting or, for one reason or another, do not want there to be any spouse support. So I hope you enjoyed episode 43 of the Daily Perspective, Day in the Life of an LDA. We're trying to do this every day. Um, and I try and get as much content out to you guys. And thank you so much for watching. And we will talk to you tomorrow.